Hey, welcome to the Fusion ATL podcast. This is Pastor Vance. If you're not familiar with Fusion, we are the young adult ministry for Victory World Church in Norcross, Georgia. We meet every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at Fusion ATL. I hope you enjoy this message and we look forward to seeing you soon. What's up? This is the last service of 2019 that you're going to get a sermon. Y'all know how to feel about that, I guess. (laughs) I've been thinking a lot about just the past year and what I've learned. I've had a lot of things happen over the past year, um, and I've just learned a lot. I've grown a lot. And so I've just been in a, a reflecting time and thinking about what I want this next year to look like and praying about what God wants the next year to look like. We're going into a new decade, whole new decade, 2020. Not just a new year. It's a new season that we're going into. And so I don't know about you, but around this time, I really like to reflect, pray, forecast. Man, what do, what do I want to do over the next year? It's just like a marker, you know? January happens and you feel like you're supposed to be doing something that you weren't doing in December. Does anybody have any resolutions planned already? Not yet, y'all like, I don't like goals. <laughs> Some of you guys do. But that's just natural for us. We, we normally want to start things out, things that we've been thinking about doing for a while. We're like, all right, I'll do it in January. I'll get started in January. And we get this, this sense of excitement when it happens, when, when, the, when the year rolls around. I don't know what some of you guys are doing for New Year's Eve. I hope it's nothing crazy. Because it really is an important time. You know, it's an opportunity to, to start fresh. And I know it's, you know, it's a calendar created by men. But at the same time, we have an opportunity to do some new things. And I don't know about you, but I like new. Does anybody like new? Is anybody not like new? Like, you don't like change? All right, yeah, yeah, y'all. You, you didn't make any noise, but I saw the hands go up. Some people don't like change. You didn't even want to make a new sound. I feel you. But personally, I like new. And I've had a season of a lot of new. A year and a few months ago is when I became the pastor over this ministry. Yeah, thank you. And a week before that, I got engaged. And then a few months ago, I got married in June. And so I've had a lot of opportunity to learn over the last year. And um, it's been amazing. Now, being married, is anybody married in the place? Okay, a couple married people. You understand that when you get married, Has anybody learned that it's a learning experience? A learning opportunity. Yeah, every day. You get to learn a lot. You learn about the other person, but you learn a lot about yourself. And, you know, one of the things that I've been reflecting on lately um, that I want to do more over the next year, I think I started out here really passionate. I've always been passionate about the Word of God passionate about what God is doing, um, 
but not as passionate about my personal testimony. Like I wasn't driven so much to share with you guys what's going on in my life, not because I had anything to hide, but I just felt like the Bible is the life-changing thing. The Bible is the powerful thing. But what I've learned over the last year is when somebody is teaching you, when somebody is speaking to you, you wanna connect with that person. You wanna know if you can trust that person. You wanna know if this person has been through anything when they're telling you what you should be doing. Amen? Amen. Do you guys agree? And so I figured over the next, you know, one of the things that I want to do better in the next year is just share with you guys a little bit more about myself. And I think that I've just had to learn that that's actually valuable. So I want to share with you guys, starting out, one of the things that I've learned since being married about myself. This is something that I think a lot of people learn when they get married. Um, You realize that not everybody has the same idea about what clean is. And I felt like I was a really clean person. Then I got married and my wife is like really clean, like super organized, super clean. Would anybody consider themselves, would you consider yourself an organized person and a clean person? I'd say like 3% of y'all who consider yourself clean are probably close to as clean or organized as my wife. It is a gifting. Seriously, it is a gifting of hers. And it started out, I remember one, yes, bless you. I remember one Saturday morning, one Saturday morning, waking up, thinking, hey, we're about to go get some brunch or something, hang out, you know, be married. She's grabbing cleaning chemicals. Saturday morning, she had already planned in her head, we were about to clean this whole place. Not even like just the bathroom. We're not about to just clean the tub. We're about to clean this entire place. Like really clean it. Not just straighten up. See, me personally, I feel like what I learned is I'm a like straighten up kind of dude. I don't like things nasty. That's not going to be me. You're not going to see me leaving plates of food in my bedroom and stuff. That's, that's where I'm at. I'm a clean person. Um, but my, see, when I get dressed, some, I don't know if, does anybody dress how they feel that day? So sometimes it takes a minute to figure out like, how am I feeling today? How do I wanna express myself today? Not everybody's that way. Some people just wear the same thing every day like Mark Zuckerberg and that's cool. I personally, I like to express myself. I think it's cool. That sometimes leads to clothes being all over the place when I'm done So then I need to straighten up. Now, what I learned is my wife is not like a just straighten up person. She's like, no, this place needs to be clean. And it started out as one Saturday morning when I'm like, yo, we're about to clean for hours. (laughs) This isn't even like 30 minutes and then we go to breakfast. This is about to be our Saturday. We're about to just clean. And I was just dreading it. 
I hated it, hated every minute of it. Took me like two hours just to clean the bathroom to her standard. (laughs) And I was like, this is terrible. Here's what I ended up learning. After a while, been getting into more of a rhythm where my perspective has been changing. And now, I like the place clean. So I was dreading the process of it. I was dreading the work, the inconvenience that it seemed like at the time. But man, when you have a clean place, there are benefits. So now I can enjoy the benefits of a clean place. So like, after every time we cook, we clean the entire kitchen, not just like straighten up. No, we like clean the entire kitchen. But then you look at the kitchen just being clean and it's like, man, this is, this is dope. And I've just learned, I feel better in a clean space, like a really clean space. Does anybody realize like you can think more clearly in a clean space? I realize like I'm inspired to pray more when the place is clean and orderly. Maybe you guys haven't felt that way, but have you? Let me let you know. Maybe if some of you guys are struggling to pray, if you're in the middle of a mess, it's very uninspiring. If stuff is just everywhere, I remember my mom telling me like that your, that your space is a reflection of what's going on spiritually. And so like if there is like clutter everywhere, and then you feel that way spiritually, there's a connection there. And so some of you guys are like, I don't know about that. You know, the room being connected to your spiritual life, I think that's a reach. Okay, let me, <laughs> let me ask you a question that I had to ask myself. Can you imagine heaven being messy? Let it marinate. Think about it. Can you imagine, like, God just being like, oh, we got to straighten up. This is just, oh, man, I've just been so busy saving people that stuff is just everywhere. Do you guys think that God struggles to keep his place clean? Do you think that there's junk piles in heaven? Do you think that God just has, like, robes piled up? that he'll get to at some point? I don't think so. And so when I started thinking about that, it changed my perspective. And if I want a place that's welcoming to God's presence, if I want a place that God wants to be, I feel like it makes sense for it to be clean. And I've learned that I can really enjoy the benefits of a clean place, even though it's work. And so as we're going into a new year, I've been feeling like God has been sharing some things with me about what this new year is is gonna look like and certain things that he's wanting to do. And one of those things is like, it's gonna be a year of creativity. And one of the things that I learned about creativity this past year is that there's a difference between creativity and imagination. There's a difference between creativity and imagination. What's the difference, you may ask? Creating means something manifests. 
you're creating something. It then becomes tangible. It leaves here and is something you can actually work with. So if you are creative, which God has designed us in his image, and he is the creator, you are designed to create. Not just imagine things, not just have things in your head. Somebody needs to hear this today. You're not designed to just be thinking of cool ideas. That's not creativity. And it's not all that impressive. But when your cool ideas turn into something tangible, something beneficial, specifically something beneficial to the kingdom of God, that's when your creativity is operating in its purpose. But what I've, what I've realized is that so many of us are struggling to create because our houses are a mess. Spiritually, our atmosphere, our environment is a mess. And we don't even realize it because we haven't developed the discipline of continually keeping it clean. So I want to talk about that tonight from a scriptural standpoint, of course. I want to pray and then we're going to dive into the word. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, speak to every person in here on an individual level. Lord, give me insight into what everybody's going through, Lord. Speak to our hearts. Speak through me. Help me to decrease and just have you increase and you just empower and encourage your people. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. So the title of tonight's message is Clean House. Now, there's two different definitions of this. One is to do housework, clean house. You clean your house. The second definition is what some of you guys have heard. If you guys have heard the term like, this person cleaned house. The new boss came in and cleaned house. The second definition means to eliminate corruption or inefficiency. And I believe that God wants to do some housework in our lives. He wants to clean some things up, but it's ultimately to eliminate corruption and inefficiency that's caused by sin, that's caused by our ignorance, that's caused by us not knowing how things are supposed to be. I legitimately have a new perspective on what clean is by being around somebody gifted in that area. And I feel like that's just a small glimpse of what we experience when we get around God. Getting into a relationship with my wife has shifted my perspective on how orderly my stuff is. You get into a relationship with God, you will see a huge contrast between what you think is good, what you think is in order, what you think is right, what you think is correct, and what he does. But you have the opportunity to enjoy the benefits of doing things his way. And so there are, uh, well, first I want to start with Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, people are watching. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let's clean this stuff up. Let's get rid of the junk. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, 
the pioneer and perfecter of faith. So Jesus started it. Another translation says the author and the finisher. That's a process from beginning to end. God does a cleansing process in our lives. Jesus is the perfecter of our faith. He gives us a deposit. You start with the faith, expressing faith in Christ. But has anybody been walking with Jesus for more than a year in here? Have you learned just by walking with him more than a year that when you first started walking with Jesus, your mindset, your level of faith was different than it is now? Has it grown? That's how it's supposed to work. This is supposed to be a journey where Jesus is continually perfecting us, working on us, making us better, cleaning our house. How many of you guys know cleaning isn't a one and done thing? I didn't clean that one Saturday and it's just stayed clean since then. It's a continual process. Continual cleaning. And so I want to talk about three areas we need cleaned in our lives. The first one is our mindset. This is the first thing that I think of when I think about what God needs to clean in our lives, needs to get in order, needs to shift. Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. It's that, that word means be molded. It's like if you took, you know, like a gingerbread man mold. Oh, y'all don't know what a gingerbread man mold is? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So you guys know what a gingerbread man mold is. Okay. You put the mold in the dough. It molds to what? A gingerbread man. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> But that word conform is that same process. So he's saying, don't let this world form you into its image. What you're surrounded by, do you look like it? Does your life look like the rest of the world? God is serious about this, that our life is supposed to look different when we're walking with him. But be transformed. That means changed. You're not the same. By the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So if you are not transformed, and if you do conform to the pattern of this world, you will not be able to test and approve what God's will is. So without the Holy Spirit transforming how you think, you won't even know what God wants. That's why he needs to shift our mindset. When we try to walk this walk in the same way, that everybody else lives their lives. We will never look like God and we will never reach our intended purpose. 
He wants to shift our mindset, change it, renew it, transform. Say transform. Again, transform. That needs to sink in for somebody. This is not just like a, Jesus doesn't want to just come straighten you up. He wants to transform you. A deep cleaning where you can enjoy the benefits. Where you will be able to operate in a clearer space. God gives you clarity. If you, if you read the word of God, you see that God is very clear about who he is, what he wants, what he wants for us, what he wants to do for us, with us, how he wants us to engage with him. He's very clear. He lays it all out. The gospel is actually very, very simple. It's us still trying to conform to the patterns of the world that complicate our relationship with him. It's, well, God, you're saying this, but this is what I'm seeing over here. And so God is saying, don't conform to what you're seeing over here. Don't let that mold you. Don't let that shape your thought processes. Allow God to do that. And what you'll see is a huge difference. How I look at clutter has now changed. Like before, I would see things and not think it was cluttered. Legitimately. Now, like legitimately, like a week after getting married, I walked into my office that I felt like was clean and was like, man, I need a a box for this or something. I need to, because my mindset has shifted. What, What wasn't messy to me before, my eyes were like opened and I saw how things needed to be organized. God wants to do the same thing with us and it only makes the space better. God doesn't wanna just change us just to change us. Like, oh, I don't like you. I just wanna change you. No, but so many times we feel like God is wanting to do pointless things or just wanting to change us because that's his will, that's what he wants, but we don't get it. God is wanting to open our eyes, shift our mindset so that we can better enjoy life, be more productive in life, and serve our intended purpose. Some of the differences that you'll see that are natural to you, that God wants to change, it's like the difference between humility and pride. That's one of the, I think, the main things that God has worked on me on and is still working on me. I don't think, has anybody gotten completely free from all pride? Congratulations, sir, that was prideful. (laughs) Just saying, God wants to shift our mindset. And a lot of times, man, we'll, we'll think we have things together and we don't. God is like, that's not clean. Let me show you what this is supposed to look like. When you read the word of God and you look at the life of Jesus and you think you're a humble person, you're missing something. When you see God himself God, the actual perfect person, all power, all divinity, all majesty, worthy of every bit of praise, lower himself 
to putting on human flesh, living among us, receiving our insults, our doubts, all of those things. If you don't think after reading that, that there are instances in your life where you're prideful and feeling entitled, you're missing something. But God came to model it for us so that we would be able to see what we need and help to clean things up. That's one, of, like I said, that's one of the main things for me. I think choosing humility because, I don't know, has anybody found that life gives you opportunities over and over to either exercise humility or pride? Maybe you haven't recognized them, but conversations on a daily basis give you an opportunity to exercise humility or pride when somebody gets your order wrong. Mm. Mm. How do you respond? Right. We feel entitled. Like there are so many instances that we don't think are a big deal. And I'm not saying like, oh, you're going to go to hell because of how you acted at Chick-fil-A. That's not necessarily what I'm saying. What I'm saying is there are things that we need to be worked on. Instances over and over where we feel like, I'm a humble person until somebody puts pickles on your sandwich when you didn't order them. I said, no pickles. What kind of establishment is this? Every time I come here, messing up my order, I'm going to speak to the manager because I deserve a sandwich with no pickles. And I'm tired of your attitude. There are so many instances that we can feel entitled that we just take light. But if we, I think that we've really gotten used to this phrase, what would Jesus do? But if we would implement that more in our lives, my goodness, we would see a contrast between what he would do and what we would do. How would Jesus operate when this person talked to you this way? when this person didn't do what you wanted, how would Jesus approach that situation? How does Jesus deal with you versus how you deal with other people? When we sin, God, forgive me. And then we feel forgiven and we're, all right, we good. Let somebody cross you. I forgive, but I don't forget. (laughs) Won't let you close to me anymore. I don't trust people. People let you down. Would Jesus say that? I don't trust people. People let you down. I can't mess with y'all no more. Just cancel the whole church. I'm good. I'm going to make a new earth. He could, and rightfully so. But our mindsets are so often still reflecting our upbringing, our surroundings, our culture, what we're seeing on social media. Have you guys, if you pay attention, you will see 
that the mindset of society as a whole changes every year or like every three months. What people didn't like before, they like now. What they liked before, they don't like now. What was acceptable before is no longer acceptable. What was not acceptable is absolutely acceptable now according to however people are feeling. And if we allow that to shape us and mold us, we will not be able to carry out our intended purpose. We won't have a great relationship with God. And honestly, just like a messy house, things just won't be all that great. You won't be able to enjoy the benefits of what God changing your mindset does. Man, when you shift your mindset, even from physical to eternal, like temporal to eternal, will change how you approach situations. Man, if I'm having a conversation with somebody and my mindset is that the only thing that's affected by this conversation is this moment, I've missed it. And there's not a whole lot of reward in that. But if I'm aware of what Jesus says, that he said, if you give even a cup of cold water to somebody in my name, you will surely not miss out on your reward. Man, if we live with that mindset, aware of eternity, knowing that even the small decisions that we make, the conversations that we have, the small gestures that we do, play out in a much larger picture, first of all, it's a much more fulfilling life. Is it a sin to have a messy home? No, it's just not all that great for you. And so allowing somebody to teach you how to clean it up and getting used to the practice of cleaning it up so that you can enjoy the benefits, benefits you. God wants to shift our mindset. The other thing, the next thing that... uh. God wants to shift. Ooh, I actually want to talk about this piece in our mindset. Trust versus selfish ambition. This is one of the things that really hit me. Just over this past weekend, as I was thinking about this message, um, I was reminded of this story in my own life. I've talked to you guys a lot about um, this particular season in my life where I was working for Um, a really successful person. That person was training myself and my best friend to take over their business. God ended up, you know, telling me to leave that situation. And I left an opportunity for a lot of money and all that stuff. And I always remember the end of how that all worked out. And as I was sitting here in Sunday service, when Pastor Colleen was preaching about the Holy Spirit, it's a great message, God reminded me of how it started. And I remember I was working at a retail store after like this whole life change season was happening. I used to be super anti nine to five, was trying to do my own thing. I get rededicated to the Lord, come here to victory. God's changing my life, humbled myself. I was like, I'm going to go get a job. And I applied for like a million jobs. I have a degree in marketing. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to find a marketing position. Didn't happen. Worked at a retail store. And about a year into that, my friend who was working at this company with this particular successful person was like, yo, he was telling me for months, man, if you, if I could just get you in here, Like, we are going to kill it. 
like everybody's making so much money here. It's, it would be so great. I think that you'd be really good at this. And so one day somebody quit and a position opened up because it was uh, particularly in the field of logistics. And at a certain season, there's a lot of loads being moved and you need people to work. And so this was a particular season where there was a lot of work to do and somebody quit and they needed somebody to come and fill the actual, the night position. And it was a foot in the door. So I left, I got off work, the retail position, went home, packed clothes in my car, all this stuff. Cause he was like, man, you got an interview but I'm sure they're gonna hire you on the spot. And this was like in Alabama. And so I'm like, all right, I'm gonna need to move. And so I literally, like in an hour, just decided to move my entire life. <laughs> when I told you I like new, I was being serious. So pack up my car, drive there. And I remember I didn't ask God nothing. And God reminded me of that. I always remember how it ended how I heard from the Lord, and he told me to leave, and I left. I forget that he never told me to go. I went. And I knew I could ask, but I hadn't been thoroughly cleaned yet. There were still some things early on, and there's still some things now. Everybody still has their stuff. But early on, the trust aspect, God wants to shift our mindset to a place of trust versus our own selfish ambition. And there was like a, I had decided in my mind I was going, I'm about to go make this money and this is a blessing. It was already decided. So it was like, I could pray about it, but it doesn't matter. And some of you were like, oh, can't believe you would say that, but you do that and you don't realize it. And I'm just being honest about the fact that that's really what it was. I could have said probably back then, oh, I didn't, I just didn't think about it. Or yeah, you know, I feel peace about it. I feel peace. I, I, I feel peace. So I'm going to go with it. But I didn't ask why, because at the root, at the heart of it was not a place of trust because God didn't have an opportunity to tell me no. I didn't allow him to lead me in there. He couldn't tell me no. It was really it. So I took it upon myself to view it as a blessing. This is going to be a great opportunity. Success is happening. And so early on, um, I made that decision out of a place of selfish ambition and not out of trust. And he had to work some things out and I fought and I clawed and I didn't wanna leave and it was a process. So he finally got me to a place where I was trusting enough to say, you know what, God, with me seeing this constant conflict of interest in the way that this job is set up, in the lifestyle that it's encouraging me to lead, I see a direct conflict between your will and how your kingdom operates and how this opportunity is set up. And I can either build my own kingdom over here, or I could trust that as I step into yours, you're gonna take care of me, and your plan is better than mine. But that was a process. 
And there's a cleansing process that takes place. So where now, I mean, immediately when I came back from there, I came back to victory. And that was like four years ago now. And I came to Fusion. And I remember sitting in that back corner and praying, like, God, I just quit my job. I just left. I don't even know what I'm about to do. It was like I was on this like high of faith. And then it started sinking in like, what am I doing? (laughs) What did I just do? I just remember like I was having a conversation with my best friend and, and, you know, the day before I quit. And he's like, man, we don't have time. Life is short. And I'm like, you're right. I quit the next day. (laughs) I told you I like new. I was like, you know what? I'm going to change this up. You're right. Life is short. Quit the next day. Came back. Now I'm praying. Oh, God. (laughs) What did I do? I didn't really thoroughly consult with God how to exit that opportunity. And I see that in hindsight. But God has had to work on my mindset to even be able to see in the same way that now I see clutter that I wouldn't have viewed as clutter. Now I see mess that I wouldn't have viewed as mess. Now what was just regular is now junky. In the same way, God wants to process us, wants to teach us, wants to give us a new mindset. Second thing that God wants to shift in our lives is our desires. We don't start out with a desire for godliness. Does anybody, has, did anybody start out before walking with Jesus with like a burning desire for purity? Like, man, I just want to be so pure. Anybody? Because our natural desires are contrary to the things of God. Our natural desires is described in 1 John 2.16. He says, everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. I want to read that one more time. Everything in the world, say world. Everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, does not come from God, but from the the world, the same world that we're supposed to not be conformed to, that we're not supposed to let mold us. Those desires are not coming from the Father. They come from our surroundings. They come from our environments. They come from our sinful nature. And God wants to shift those. In fact, he says that the fruit of his spirit being in us, the result of his spirit being in us, that's not in us when we're not in relationship with Jesus. You get in relationship with Jesus, he gives you his Holy Spirit. And the result of that is love, joy, peace, forbearance. That means long-suffering. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Most of us are not naturally gentle. 
Most of us are not naturally kind. We're not naturally self-controlled. We might view ourselves as self-controlled or as gentle or as kind or as loving. But in comparison to God, we pale in comparison. But God wants to give us the opportunity to have those things cleaned up. But it's a process that's supposed to happen when we get into relationship with him. Again, we are supposed to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And so I want to encourage you, if you are still struggling with desires that you don't feel like reflect the nature of God, welcome to the club. But God gives us an opportunity to have victory over those things and to make a choice. And he strengthens us, gives us power. I think that a lot of times we think that when we get with Jesus, even the desire to do wrong is supposed to go away. And it is, but not in the way that we think it is. It's weird. I've realized that the longer that I walk with God, the more that I mature, I do desire the things of the world less. But it doesn't completely eradicate my desire for the things of the world. Like it stuffs it down and I have really great days where I don't want nothing in the world. It's filth. And then I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but have you ever woke up in the morning and just was like, what is my brain doing? Like, I don't even think like this normally. I feel like a heathen. Has anybody experienced that? This is the reality of the walk, but we have an opportunity to be cleansed. What do you do in that situation? What I used to do in that situation is especially if I was tired, if I was exhausted, just give in to that. Let it roam freely. Embrace the foolishness. What I've learned and what I endeavor to do is when I feel that happening, remember where that leads and that it's not a beneficial place and remember the benefits of keeping this place clean and endeavor to do that. Choices. That's where this stuff comes down to. That's what I've learned. It's really that simple. When we boil it down, when we get past all the hurt and the pain and we stop blaming everybody else for causing this and we stop blaming the the times that we live in and the fact that we have iPhones and the fact that we have access to so many things, when we stop blaming everybody else's influences on us, And we realize, man, I actually have an opportunity to choose every day, every moment of every day, even if today didn't start off strong, I can still choose in this moment. In this moment, I can choose Jesus. Say, God, you have me. And then trust that he's who he says he is. And he says that when we confess our sins to him, He is faithful and just to cleanse us
from all unrighteousness when we confess our sin. That same passage says that if we claim we are without sin, we're fooled. All have sinned, all fall short. But if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I did a message on this like a year ago talking about that process. Confess, cleanse, and continue. And I've tried to live by that. If I slip up, if I mess up, man, confess, allow him to cleanse, and then continue on with life because we have the opportunity to do so. Last thing that God wants to clean in our lives and that we need cleaned in our lives is our behaviors. Again, this comes down to choices. Second Peter 1, 5 through 8 says, For this very reason, make every effort, say every effort, to add to your faith, say add. So you make every effort to add to your faith. You don't just get faith and then the Christian walk is over with. Peter walked alongside Jesus, saw him crucified, resurrected, and says, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. Can we leave that scripture up? For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. Say goodness. Goodness. Means just faith isn't enough. There's a behavior that happens when our mindset is changed and our desires are changed and we're allowing God to cleanse us, it should be reflected in our behavior. Make every effort to add to your faith goodness. And to goodness, when, you have, when you're working with goodness, you're not done. Add to your goodness knowledge. You need to know some things. We need to read. Add to your faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control. Say self-control. These are all behaviors that he's saying make every effort to have these things. And to self-control, perseverance. When you feel like you have some self-control, then you need to keep it. So you're not just self-controlled on Monday. But persevere, because Tuesday an attack is coming. Tuesday you might wake up feeling crazy. Persevere. God, I'm still going to read. I'm still going to pray. Even when I'm feeling a little off feeling a little weird, I'm going to still come to you and trust that you are who you say you are and that there's freedom in your presence. There's joy in your presence. I'm going to lean into those things and I'm not going to conform to what's going on around me. I'm going to persevere. And to perseverance, godliness, say godliness. And to godliness, mutual affection. That means as the church, we're supposed to have all these things, faith, goodness, Knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, and mutual affection. That means we actually love each other and have an affection for each other. These are your brothers and your sisters around here. How do you treat them? How do you engage with them? We don't do small groups just to say we do small groups. We want to practice this. We want to live this out. This is what our 2020 needs to look like. This right here, I would encourage every single one of you guys, if you have the Bible app, bookmark this verse. If you have your Bible here, highlight it, put a bookmark in it. 
put it somewhere because this is actually what your behavior is supposed to be like on a daily basis. Add to mutual affection, love. If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, say increasing. That means you never have enough. This should be continuing to increase in your life. They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That means you could be ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of Jesus. In your Christianity, you could be ineffective and unproductive if these things aren't being reflected in your life. And so you make every effort. Say every effort. Make every effort. Every effort to add these things to your life. And you will see a whole new atmosphere, a whole new environment. How do we, how do, we do these things? How do we clean house? I got four things for you. And then we're going to close. Prayer. I don't know if you guys have caught on, but most of these messages, most of them, there's a case presented on what we need to do. And then how we do it is usually the same. It's really simple. Pray. How does God clean house? How do we allow him to shift our mindset and our desires and our behavior, our perspective? Pray. It's simple. How did Jesus do it? We see Jesus isolating himself and praying every time before connecting with people. Prayer. So you can wake up in the morning and if you're feeling crazy or if you're feeling great, either way, pray, engage with God. Say, God, I want you to replace my desires with your desires, my thoughts with your thoughts, my will with your will. Give me your perspective. Mine isn't enough. And he's faithful to do it. Worship is what I wanted to encourage during our musical worship time earlier. A lot of us are very reserved in this area, but I will tell you, to engage with God in worship is one of the most powerful things that you can do. And if you are not worshiping God, you are experiencing a very small portion of what relationship with God is actually about. Engaging with him. Imagine having a relationship with somebody that you never talked to somebody that you never meet in person. That's not a relationship. Worship is not just singing songs, but it's an acknowledgement. It's a heart posture, regardless of the song that's being sung, to say, God, I'm gonna engage with you in this moment. I'm gonna give you what you deserve. Thank you. I have an attitude of gratitude. God, thank you for saving me, for protecting me, for giving me life. You are worthy. You're amazing. Thank you for taking the time to speak to me, to teach me. I'm grateful. And so I engage in worship. And he says that he inhabits the praises of his people. He wants to be engaged in that way, and he's worthy of that. He's not just your homeboy. He's God. We have to get past treating him this way. Just because he says that he calls us friends does not mean he's just a friend. He's also God. You don't worship your friends, but you do worship God. And if you want to see him transform you, 
if you want to be able to enjoy the benefits of all that comes with him and what comes with a clean house spiritually, worship God. I started right in my own personal living room before I was going in in public, just me and God. Start there. Tonight, tomorrow, just start there. It doesn't have to be this big thing. Walking with God should be simple. It's a relationship. I don't have to like wake my wife up and say, babe, I love you. You're so amazing. Ah, I can engage with her. I don't have to do the absolute most. And sometimes I think that's what we think when we think of worship. Like we got to run around and dance. You can express yourself. And I think that at the closer you get to God, the more you want to do those things because you realize how good he is. And so if you're just kind of sitting back like this, it's a reflection of where you're at in your relationship because he's not all that exciting to you. But the more you get to know him, he will excite you. And that's where worship comes from. But you could start from a very simple place. The Bible. My goodness. I talk about this every week. Allowing the word of God to shift your perspective. You cannot walk this walk without knowing the word of God. You're bound to stumble. You're bound to slip up. You're bound to do the wrong thing without even knowing it because you don't know what the right thing is. You're bound to have a messy place because you don't know what clean is until you've seen it. Last thing that I want to talk about is godly advice. You have the opportunity to get godly counsel, get the right people around you speaking into your life. That's why it's important to have a small group. That's why it's important to have some people who are really doing this. And that doesn't mean you listen to everything everybody says. You want to know how to know what godly advice is? Read the Bible. And so when something, when somebody's giving you a piece of advice, if it's consistent with what the Bible says, that's godly advice. If it's not, then it's not godly advice. I'm going to close with the scripture that we started with and just encourage us, man. Since we are surrounded by a world full of people looking at us who need to know God, that's what this is talking about. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let's clean up and allow God to clean up the messes in our lives, to clean out the junk drawers, to mop the floors, to clean the baseboards. Come on. To clean. Allow God to get rid of this stuff in our lives. That's what he wants to do. And let us run with perseverance, say perseverance, Perseverance. the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. I want to pray. God, we are just so grateful for your word. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to hear from you. Lord, and I just pray for each and every one of us going into a new year, going into the Christmas season. Lord, that you would help us to live this out so that we can live the way that you want us to live.
so that this next decade of life, this next year of life, this next month of life will look how you want it to be, will be purposeful, will be powerful. God, help us to invite you in to shift our perspective, to clean our house. Lord, we invite you in as Lord. We thank you for saving our souls. We give ourselves to you and we say, have your way. Lord, help us to live this out by getting in your word. Lord, when we get in your word, help us to step into that time with an perspective of expectation, expecting to hear from you, knowing that you're faithful to teach us and speak to us. We bind every demonic distraction, every demonic discouragement, every lie from the enemy in the name of Jesus. And we say, let your truth reign in our hearts and in our minds. Lord, as we pray to you, help us to tune our ears to hear your voice. There's nothing more powerful than experiencing you engaging with us. Help us to have hearts of worship and of love. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you for listening. We're so glad to have you as a part of our community. If you want to get connected any further, please visit fusionatl.org. You can get plugged into a small group there, and you can also send in a prayer request so that we can pray for you. Once again, thanks for listening, and thanks for being a part of Fusion ATL.